Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church, and once again, I'm glad to be able to speak this morning from God's Word. I, I pray that I have a message to lay upon your heart that will benefit you. Maybe it will challenge you or convict you. Whatever the Lord's will is, I hope that uh, the combination of my voice and, and God's Word will be applied to your need whatever that need might be. Uh, I know we have some of our faithful members that listen to the broadcast every week, especially some shut-ins who aren't able to get out. And we're just glad for this opportunity to share with others. And hopefully one might be listening today who doesn't even know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we just pray that this would be an opportunity that we uh, could draw you closer to making that all-important decision to let the Lord in your life and let him have control. <clears throat> Today we're going to go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, there uh, is uh, a prayer that uh, the Apostle Paul makes, which I call a prayer for all believers, and he, and he gives this prayer to the church at Ephesus. It was such an important church, and he he happened to be able to work with the church at Ephesus for about three years, longer than he did anywhere else during his ministry. And his words to the Ephesian church are very personal. There's more than one prayer that he makes in this letter. But the one in Ephesians chapter 1 applies itself so much to anyone who believes in Jesus and wants to serve him. So uh, let's take a look at this chapter. Before we get to the prayer, though, I'd like for us to look at some of his introductory uh, remarks. Because, you know, before we really know uh, what we need to know, we need to know who we are as Christians. And uh, the Apostle Paul makes these Ephesians uh, Christians feel so important and so special. Do you know, uh, do you feel uh, special when you think about all that God has done for you? Well, if you're a Christian, you definitely need uh, to feel special. As Christians, as members of the Lord's church, we are privileged beyond our imagination. And God wants us to feel special. Why? Well, he goes into this in, in these opening verses of Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, in, in verses 4 and 11, uh, he makes the comment that we have been chosen by the Lord in Christ. Verse, in verse 4, the New Living Translation says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. And the Greek word there for chosen is ekleo, and it means to pick out, to select. Uh, we are a hand-picked people. We have been chosen by God. Isn't it wonderful to know that God chose you because he wanted you to know Christ Jesus as Lord? Not only that, but in verse 11, he says that we are predestined, and that word predestined is also in in verse 5. Uh, he says we are predestined to be God's children through the plan that God designed. Uh, 
Listen to verse 11. Uh, the NIV version says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So note this now. We are predestined according to the plan. And that plan, of course, was made before the foundation of the earth. And that plan was that Jesus would come into the world and die for the sins of all of us. And through that plan, we are predestined. Uh, through his foreordained plan, God predestined all Christians that they would come into the knowledge and the grace and the redemption that are in Christ Jesus. So we're chosen, we're predestined, but not only that, but he uses another word in verse 5, we're adopted. We're adopted into God's family through Christ. Uh, the New Living Translation words verse 5 this way, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. We were all lost in sin, dear friend, because we're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus came into the world, and through his blood, the Lord took us out of that miserable condition of lostness and sin. And he washed our sins away through the blood of Christ, and now we are his adopted children. It's wonderful to know that he adopts sons and daughters, and we become part of him. This Greek word, huithesia, it means to place as a son. It signifies the place and the condition of a child given to one who does, uh, to whom it does not normally belong. The Apostle Paul is the only one that uses this word, but he uses it so well. We're adopted. And then uh, I wanted to also mention that we are included in Christ. We're included in Christ. Uh, in verse 13, he says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Isn't it great to know that we're included? You know, you think about so-and-so that you know, or you think about so-and-so that's a preacher or a doctor or somebody big, and uh, yeah, they're, they're in Christ, but the Lord included you and me as well. I'm glad to be included so that I have heard the word of the truth, the gospel of my salvation. And then in, in verse 13, he also says we're marked. We are marked in him with a seal, the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, the NIV version says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are Christ's possession to the praise of his glory. So we're marked. The seal of the Holy Spirit is put on every Christian. Of course, we remember in Acts 2.38, that first gospel sermon was being preached, and Peter uh, told those people that they had crucified their own Messiah, and they were cut to the heart, and they cried out and said, what must we do? And he told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, 
and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit gift, the presence, the seal, if you will, he's called the seal of the Spirit. And it marks us. You know, the Jews had the mark of circumcision. It made them designated as God's people. Uh, they, they, they knew that that was a sign of, of, of God's characteristic upon them. And for the Christian, for the born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is that mark, that seal. And he says right here in verse 13, not only does it identify us, give us identity, but it also guarantees us, it's the deposit that guarantees our future inheritance. Now, we're going to talk about the inheritance a little bit later on, but but that word is so important. Um, how do we know? that the best is yet to come. How do we know that God is, uh, Christ has gone back to heaven to make a place for us and he's going to come back and receive us to himself because we have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a guarantee of what's going to happen in the future. Uh, so, how special we are. We are chosen. We are predestined. We are adopted. We are included and we are marked with a seal. Now, let's go from there. Let's go to that prayer, shall we? Having shown us the wonderful spiritual status that we have, Paul then prays a prayer which should be adopted by every believer. This is a prayer for every church leader, every preacher, every teacher, every parent, every friend. We should be praying for one another. And for what shall we pray? Paul gives it right here. Uh, and it's, it's so very important that we acknowledge uh, this idea. So the first thing he asks for in this prayer is in verse 17. Uh, he, he prays that these believers will constantly know God better. Verse 17 says, the NIV version I keep asking that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. So you may know him better. Isn't that a wonderful thought? We should want, uh, above all things, to know our Lord. To say, I know him. He loves me. We are Together, we are friends. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church in chapter 3 and verse 10. And he said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. <clears throat> I hope today that you want to know him better. Because, you know, the, the, the more conviction and challenge we have to know the Lord, the more we're going to study his word. And the more we study his word, the more he's going to open up that word so that we can indeed deepen and strengthen our relationship with Jesus. I like those knowing words over in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The Apostle John says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. 
And the truth is not in that person. So do you know? Uh, you know, there are people who say, I, I know what I know what I know. And that's very important. We, and, and John says, if you say that you know him, then you better be doing what he's asked you to do. Uh, I hope you know him. And I hope that you have a constant desire to know him better because that means you're progressing in your relationship, in your friendship, and your fellowship with the Lord. Now he goes on in verse 18 and he says, uh, I'm also praying that uh, the, you believers will know God's promise. Uh, in verse 18, the New Living Translation words it this way. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, we've already mentioned this word inheritance in the previous verse, but now he says it again. But I want you to notice something. Here in verse 18, he literally says that his people are his inheritance. God's people are his inheritance. Isn't that neat? So in verse 14, he promises us that we have a reserved inheritance. It's an inheritance that is reserved or kept for us in heaven. And one of these days, Jesus is going to come back and we're all going to go to heaven with him and be with him forever. And we have an inheritance. He, he, Paul speaks to uh, Timothy, you remember, and says, the day is coming when the Lord is going to give me a crown of righteousness. That's part of his inheritance. And that life that we're going to live forever and forever, that's part of our inheritance. But then in verse 18... He says, I want you to understand this hope uh, that, that God has given to all those that he's called. Uh, that hope is that we are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, <clears throat> that lines up with a, with a passage of scripture uh, later in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Uh, you may be familiar with this passage in chapter 5 of Ephesians where Paul's talking about husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's in verse 25 of Ephesians 5. He says to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word. And then in verse 27 he says, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What, what's Christ going to do one day? He's going to take this church that's down here on earth, and hopefully that's you and me, and all those that are involved in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ, local churches, the worldwide church. He's going to present that church to himself. And why and how would he do that? Because Paul has already said in chapter 1, we are God's inheritance. You never thought about God having an inheritance, inheritance, did you? But when Christ takes his church to heaven, he's going to present that church to himself. It's his, it's his inheritance. 
Now he says that at that point, that it's going to be a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Now down here on earth, sometimes the church has a few stains, don't we? A few wrinkles, a few blemishes. But when he presents the church to himself, we're going to be blameless and holy. And that's a wonderful thought. Well, the next thing Paul prays for, which is applicable to all believers, uh, he prays that believers will know his will, uh, will know his power, that believers will know his power. Verse 19, he continues with this idea about his holy people uh, being flooded with light. And he says in verse 19, and will know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Uh, the working of his mighty strength, his power, his great power. And the, the Greek word there is dunamis, dunamis. And we get our English word dynamite, actually, from that Greek word. But in the scriptures, this power, this dunamis, usually refers to miraculous power. That's power that God is able to exhibit uh, beyond human ability and capability. Sometimes you remember he used humans to exhibit these miracles, the, these powers. But we're talking about miraculous power here. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse uh, 29, Paul says, That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works in me. And uh, that's how the power of God should work, in and through his people. And you know, sometimes if we work and struggle with his power, he is able to do through us far beyond what we ask or imagine. Later in Ephesians, he uses that very phrase. Have you, have you ever known or felt the Lord do something through you that you knew was beyond your ability, uh, above your pay, gra your, your pay grade? Well, sometimes he does. And that's why Paul prayed here that the believers, these believers in Ephesus, would know God's power. And, you know, I pray that our folk at First Christian Church in Covington will know God's power as well and, and let that power be channeled through their lives. Well, the last thing Paul prays for here in Ephesians chapter 1 for the believer is that they will know Christ's position. And he continues with this idea of Christ, and he says that, that Christ is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that could be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills everything in every way. Um, this is great. Uh, Christ is Lord of all. 
He has all power and all authority and all dominion. You'll remember when he gave the great commission to his disciples in Matthew 28, before he ascended back into heaven, he said to them, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's in control. You remember in his earthly ministry when he calmed the storm, the disciples looked at each other in amazement and said, who is this guy who even has control over nature, over the wind and the waves? And when he healed so many of their diseases, people were amazed and they would say, who is this man who is able to heal the diseases that we have? Well, I'll tell you who this man is. This man is Jesus, the Son of God, who has been given all authority and power. We need to understand and know his position. And when we understand Christ's position, um, then we will be able to understand our own position uh, when we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to him. You will never realize who you are fully in Christ until you understand how wonderful and strong and powerful Christ is. So in these verses of Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul is praying for believers, his prayer makes it clear that Christians have a role. Christ is the head of the church, and the church composed of those who believe that he is the Son of God. And we believe that he paid the price for our sins and died and rose again on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, making intercession on behalf of those people. His hands are extended to a, to a work which needs to know him. The church, the church completes Christ. And this is quite a responsibility and a, and a practical application for how we should live our lives. I want Christ to be completed through me, don't you? And if we do everything that he has sent us to do, saved us to do, then all of this is going to turn out okay. There's an illustration of this point which has been told over the years. It's a legend, if you will which tells how uh, Jesus went back to heaven after his time on earth. And, and even in heaven, he, he bore upon him the marks of the cross. And the angels were talking to him, and Gabriel said, Master, you must have suffered terribly for men down there. And Jesus said, I did. And Gabriel said, Do they all know about how you loved them and, and what you did for them? And Jesus said, Oh, no, not yet. Just now only a few people in Palestine know. Well, what have you done, said Gabriel, to let everybody else know? And Jesus said, I, I've asked Peter and James and John and a few others to make it the business of their lives to tell others about me and the others still others and others still others until the farthest man in the widest circle of the world knows what I've done. And Gabriel looked very doubtful for he knew well what poor stuff men were made of. Yes, he said, but, but what if Peter and James and John grow tired? 
What if the people who come after them forget? What if a way down in the 20th or 21st century, people just don't tell others about you? Haven't you made any other plans? And Jesus answered, I haven't made any other plans. I'm counting on them. You know, to say that the church is the body of Christ means that Jesus is counting on you and me. And here is a simple little prayer that we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for the church around us, the church of which we're a part, that, that people will know God, uh, that people will know God's promise, that people will know God's power, and that people will know Christ's position. I hope you're doing that. I hope you're praying for others. And when you pray, pray this specific prayer. Uh, do you know Jesus? I hope you know Jesus today. This is the greatest knowledge you'll ever have. And I hope you're reading the scripture and working and, and uh, asking God to deliver his will, his perfect will to you. Thank you for listening today. Let's pray as we go off the air. Um, thank you, Heavenly Father, for these moments that we have to share your precious good news. And Lord, uh, bottom line today, we want to know you better. Uh, give us more knowledge, but we know that knowledge comes by our own conviction and challenge to get into the word. For there you have delivered your will and we can have an understanding of what you want in order for us to know Jesus better. I pray for that. I pray for the lost. Lead them, Heavenly Father, to commit their lives in every way to this Jesus who has all power and all authority. I pray these things in his precious name. Amen.